Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens! Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night. Frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise you, all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's dark enigma. And on today's dark enigma, well, we have a great listener suggestion, a story I hadn't really heard before, so it was very delightful for me looking up a brand new story. So, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game, and as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. Be safe, my darlings. The choice of libation, as always, is yours, so pick your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say black? That will be a single shot. And every time I say phantom, that will be a double shot. All right, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. So, don your best sleuthing hat, grab your oversized magnifying glass as we step back in time to a simpler time as we conjure up the mystery of the Black Phantom of Early Americana. Mwahaha. That's right. I gotta throw in a mwahaha every now and again. Anyways, on to the story, darlings. A common feature in the world of the strange and paranormal is that of the phantom being. Throughout history, there have been various stories, tales, and reports of bizarre, mysterious, shadowy figures that seem to lurk just beyond the periphery of our reality, to only make themselves known when they wish to instill terror within our hearts. 
These shadow people and phantom figures seem to have rooted themselves into our collective consciousness, and they are reported in both reality and myth across many different cultures. Sometimes threatening, sometimes merely creepy, but always frightening. These are unidentified beings that are difficult to classify and which seem to have stepped right out of our nightmares. One of the more enduring cases of such a phantom intruder is an intimidating, ominous, black cloaked figure that stepped forward from some dark place to terrorize a small town in Massachusetts, and which has remained a rather perplexing mystery to this very day. It all began in October 1939 in the town of Provincetown on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where frightened children began returning home from night with a scary story to tell. They claimed to have seen an extremely tall figure dressed all in black, which would appear out of nowhere to growl ominously and then to disappear just as suddenly in a flash. Some of these reports claimed that the thing had a hideous, deformed face and glowing eyes. Whatever it was they were seeing, the ghoulish phantom certainly terrified them, and children were known at this time to come home crying and shaking inconsolably. Yet, as obviously upset and shaken as these children were, the adults didn't take it all very seriously. After all, it was very near the Halloween season, and it all seemed like just over-imagination or someone playing a prank with a Halloween costume. Then, one night, a woman by the name of Mary Costa was walking alone along shadowy streets past the city hall when she claimed that an impossibly tall figure, around eight feet tall, had leapt out of some bushes to loom menacingly in front of her. The thing was described as having long pointed ears and glowing eyes, which it used to coldly stare at the frightened woman for a moment before rapidly fleeing the scene in a series of inhuman, incredible leaps and bounds far beyond what a person should have been capable of. Costa claimed that she had run into a nearby coffee shop, excitedly telling people about what she had just seen, and that some men had gone out looking for the mysterious intruder, but had found nothing. Although police did not take this report very seriously at first, it was soon followed by similar accounts by other adult citizens. In all of the cases, the shadowy apparition was claimed to be dressed in all black, complete with a flapping black cape, and to possess glowing eyes that were either red or silver, as well as long pointed ears that were sometimes said to be of a silver color. It was also said that a weird buzzing noise, like a very large insect, accompanied it, and others said that it would let out a malevolent, unsettling laugh that was described as having an unearthly timbre and tone. It was also known for being extremely fast and agile, as well as for its purported superhuman jumping ability, 
with witnesses claiming that it could easily leap over high fences and could jump over 10 feet in a single bound. Curiously, police would often get different reports from different areas of town practically at the same time, suggesting that the thing was either incredibly fast, could somehow teleport, could fly, or that there were more than just one of them. While most of these encounters involved the mysterious dark phantom merely startling or terrorizing witnesses before bounding away, something it seemed to take great pleasure in doing, others were decidedly more harrowing. In one case, a man named Charles Farley claimed that he had actually shot at the creature and hit it, but that it had been totally unfazed by the gunshot, simply laughing maniacally before nimbly jumping over a high fence with a single leap. Another man reported that he had been suddenly confronted and cornered by the entity and had instinctively thrown a punch at it. The being was claimed to have caught his fist in its own hand and then proceeded to crush the man's hand, breaking it, before hurling him to the ground effortlessly as if he were an unwanted toy. Yet another such violent encounter happened when another witness claimed that the creature had lashed out to strike him with breathtaking superhuman strength, sending him flying through the air, and there were other adult males who also reported being easily overpowered by this apparition. Other, even more far-out accounts claimed that the thing had shot blue fire at them from its mouth. Before long, the town, and indeed other areas, were buzzing with talk of what people were starting to call the Provincetown Phantom, the Black Phantom, the Phantom Fiend, the Devil of the Dune, and the Black Flash, which was the name that the media would go with and would become the most popular name for the bizarre spectral thing lurking about. Indeed, there were a variety of sensationalized reports of the Black Flash at the time in newspapers and on radio newscasts, which along with the increasing number of sightings really whipped people up into a panicked fervor. Speculation ran rampant on what it could possibly be, with some saying it was just a prankster or a peeping Tom, and others saying it was some sort of supernatural entity, such as a ghost or demon with an inscrutable agenda not of this world. And some particularly religious folk thought it was the devil himself. Making things even worse were the other bizarre and unsettling events orbiting the whole Black Flash fiasco. This was not long after the time when the 1938 Orson Welles CBS radio broadcast of War of the Worlds had been aired on Sunday, October 30, 1938, sending many parts of the country into a massed, frenzied panic. Further causing stress and uneasiness was the onset of World War II and its looming shadow of violence inexorably pulling America in, which seriously weighed on the nation's mind at the time, as well as the devastating effects of the Great Depression. There were various other weird goings-on at the time in the immediate area as well, such as news of a sea monster that had washed up on shore near Wood End, and would later be identified as a rotting basking shark, as well as that of serial arsonist who had terrorized the town in the September before the appearance of the enigmatic Black Flash. 
All of these converging events no doubt caused the Black Flash story to pulse, grow, and become sensationalized, with its various elements embellished and exaggerated in the notoriously over-dramatized news reports and radio shows of the era where it took on a life of its own in the minds of a populace whose imaginations were primed and their nerves were frayed. The story typically goes that the Black Flash would supposedly go on to torment the people of Provincetown for seven years, with reports going all the way up to 1945. In one such incident from November of 1945, a group of police officers apparently saw the phantom leap over a 10-foot-high fence after they went to a schoolyard to investigate a series of sightings there. The following month, a group of children claimed that they had been attacked by the Black Flash and had escaped into their house to seek refuge, where they cowered as it banged on the walls and rattled doors. One man by the name of Louis Gennard allegedly got a hot pan of boiling water to throw at the creature, which sent it screaming off into the night, and would mark this as purportedly the last reported incident of the Black Flash. These incidents up to 1945 are written by researcher Joe Citro in his book Passing Strange, where he claims they were recounted to him by the folklorist Robert Cahill, who wrote of the Black Flash in a book called New England's Mad and Mysterious Men, in which he says the phantom terrorized Provincetown for years. These details provided by Citro and Cahill have been widely referenced for stories on the Black Flash, but there has been some disagreement with this timeline. According to one of the foremost researchers of the Black Flash phenomena, paranormal researcher Theo Pajmans, this timeline is false, and he claims that these are details added later that Cahill's work was substantially embellished and that the Black Flash really only struck for a few weeks before vanishing. He wrote a heavily researched article in 2007 for the anomaly journal Intermediate States and said of his findings, and I quote, I found the original accounts in the Provincetown Advocate, and with the help of these accounts, I was able to reconstruct a clear timeline and to throw out a lot of the stuff that had grown into the Black Flash over the years, but was clearly fabrication. One of these inaccuracies was the timeline. The Black Flash did not strike between 1938 and 1945, as it was often alleged, but only for a few weeks in 1939. End quote. Whatever timeline is correct, the question still remains, what was the Black Flash? Many theories have been proposed on the answer to this. It's not gone unnoticed that the Black Flash was in many ways similar to another mysterious phantom that had allegedly terrorized parts of Great Britain in 1837, a phantom known as Spring-Hilled Jack. There are several similarities between the two entities, such as the glowing eyes, a black cloak, and the startling ability to make enormous leaps and bounds. This has caused some to suggest that the Black Flash and Spring Hill Jack were one in the same, or that, way, or that they were the same sort of entity, but it could also mean that some of the details from reports were embellished or added to make it seem that way. 
Indeed, the relentless sensationalism of the case at the time and the embellishments, additions, and exaggerations made over the years since, as well as the substantial lore it has accrued and surrounded itself with, have made it difficult to separate fact from fiction when it comes to the case of the Black Flash. Even researchers on the phenomena can't seem to agree on what really happened or how long it lasted. Other ideas are that it was all a form of mass hysteria or collective delusion, with the media hype and spooky stories escalating until it had everyone in its grip, or even that it was some sort of demon, ghost, or vampire. Again, with all of the embellishments made and liberties taken with the tale in the news at the time and through rich oral traditions since, it's hard to know what parts or details of the story are even real, so it's hard to say how much merit any of these ideas actually have. There's simply no real concrete evidence that favors any one of these. For their part, authorities at the time were certain that it all stemmed from a malicious prank, and although news of the Black Flash was everywhere and many believed it was a real mysterious apparition, it seems that actually a lot of people in Provincetown itself concurred that it was most likely jokesters or a peeping Tom. Chief of Police Anthony Tarvers even claimed to have known who the perpetrators were and how they did it. According to Tarvers, it was four local boys who were playing a Halloween trick to scare everyone, and that they had accomplished it by one boy standing on another's shoulders and then covering themselves with a large black cape and wearing a mask. The two sets of boys were claimed to have coordinated their costumes and appearances in order to make it look like they were teleporting or dashing with preternatural speed around town. Tarvers also said that he had even gone so far as to speak with the alleged culprits and their parents, and that this is why the whole phenomena ceased. However, he never did release the names of the perpetrators, and no one has ever claimed responsibility for the supposed hoax. The statement by Tarvers was also apparently not even really an official police pronouncement. The Black Flash's potent jumping ability, agility, strength, toughness, and other purported powers aren't really addressed with this theory either. This has led some to suspect that Tarvers was merely making up this story to calm everyone down, or to cover up what was really going on. In the end, we have no way of knowing for sure. In the end, it's unclear what the Black Flash was. It isn't even really clear which elements of the story are true which is complete fiction, or even how long the phenomenon actually went on for. The story has been picked up and written about in numerous articles and books, which often give different or even conflicting contradictory information. With all of the tales and the mishmash of information out there on the black flash of Provincetown, just about all we can say for sure is that something was terrorizing the town in at least 1939. What that was, whether a prank, a mass delusion, a ghost, demon, alien, vampire, or something else altogether, no one really knows for sure. And we probably never will. And the mystery of the Black Flash will likely remain in the shadows within the realm of speculation, even as its legend grows. So, what do you think the Black Flash was? So, I have my own little theory on it. And... Stick with me because it's a little bit out there. So let's say that the Black Flash was actually real. Okay? So the story goes, he's over eight feet tall, 
very tall, very thin, wears nothing but black, maybe has some glowing eyes of some sort, red or silver, nobody really knows. This sounds like a new legend that just came out not too long ago. And if you're thinking, like I'm thinking, I think Slender Man might be the reincarnation of the Black Flash. What do you guys think about that? Now, it's not necessarily the same area because Slender Man is more like Ohio areas and things like that, but, you know, Massachusetts is in that same area. Maybe the Black Flash just kind of moved a little bit west. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it Slender Man, maybe? Is maybe Black Flash real and Slender Man is just following where Black Flash left off? Interesting. Anyways, my darlings, let me know what you think. With that, we have come to the end of our episode. And I thank you for joining me here today. And I hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on today's story and what you think. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you have an idea of what you think the Black Flash is and you want to share it, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, my darlings, that's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it. Don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love ya. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.